This is part one of a two-part series. Plutonium secretly shipped an army ambulances twice a week to the Los Alamos National Laboratory for use in the Manhattan Project to create the first nuclear weapons was in such supply that the laboratory held about ten times more plutonium than its maximum capacity. The water used to cool the toxic plutonium was dumped unceremoniously behind the lab in various ditches and streams. Plutonium in the Los Alamos and Pueblo Creeks was deadly. In Los Alamos Creek, plutonium was measured at 144,000 disintegrations per minute per liter, 325 times higher than the allowable limit today. Administrators at the lab were well aware that the contamination was dangerous to surrounding populations. Thomas Shipman, who worked at Los Alamos, later said, quote, Everybody had his own contaminated dump. Today we think we know where all of these were, but I wouldn't want to guarantee it. End quote. Plutonium was a new product of the American government and needed to be tested before being assembled inside of a warhead and explosively exported to sites like Hiroshima and Nagasaki. In animal trials, dogs, rats, mice, and rabbits were injected with plutonium or forced to breathe in air thick with plutonium. Their bodies were burned or dissolved in acid afterwards, and then the quantity of plutonium was measured in the remains. Plutonium is extremely toxic, and precancerous conditions appeared at injection sites, and various organs in the animals began bleeding. After the animal studies, it was our turn. But no telling. Heimer Friedel, an army doctor assigned to the Manhattan Project, stated, quote, It is expected that on selected human subjects, tracer studies with product would be made. End quote. The tracer studies were investigations in which the results were taken during at least two different points in time. Samples could be taken one week after the first injection of product, and again three months after the injection, for example. The product was plutonium. Ebb Cade was in a car accident on March 24, 1945, and was taken to the Manhattan Engineer District Hospital in Oak Ridge. Doctors said he would not live, having broken so many bones. Ebb not only survived, but recovered surprisingly well over the next couple of weeks. Unfortunately for Ebb, several hospital doctors watching over him were working for the United States Atomic Energy Commission, who still had many questions about the effects of plutonium on the human body. So, on April 10th, without his consent or an explanation, Military physician Joseph Howland administered 4.7 micrograms of plutonium into Ebb's bloodstream, 80 times more plutonium than the average person receives during an entire year from background radiation. The justification for this secret and dangerous experiment comes from Wright Langham, a Los Alamos researcher who had helped develop the test for detecting plutonium. Langham states that, quote, the subject was an elderly male whose age and general health was such that there is little or no possibility that the injection can have any effect on the normal course of his life. End quote. The plutonium did turn out to be less dangerous for Ebb than his doctors.
Atomic Energy Commission doctors were satisfied with this speculation by Langham and extracted bone chips before and after the plutonium injection and pulled out 15 of Ebb's teeth to measure plutonium levels. Ebb slowly recovered from the operations, bedridden in the hospital for six more months, at which point Captain David Goldring informed Langham that, quote, more bone specimens and extracted teeth will be shipped to you very soon for analysis, end quote. Ebb might have caught wind of the plot to chip away more pieces of him because he left the hospital without telling anyone soon after and managed to escape back home to Greensboro, where he lived another eight years before passing away. The scientists analyzing biological samples from Ebcade made plenty of mistakes. They mixed up the urine samples taken before and after Ebb was dosed with plutonium, as well as mixing up the before and after bone chips extracted from Cade, so a lot of potential results from this unjustified experiment became medically irrelevant anyway. Arthur Hubbard, an innkeeper in Austin, was diagnosed with squamous cell carcinoma. After two rounds of surgery, he was directed to the University of Chicago's Billings Hospital, where he was given, quote, some new treatment, end quote which turned out to be 6.5 micrograms of plutonium, a dose equal to 120 times the average radiation a person receives in one year. This injection was given to Hubbard because, quote, some human studies were needed to see how to apply the animal data to the human problems, end quote. Joseph Hamilton, a professor at both UC Berkeley and at UCSF, said that being at two universities allowed him access to, quote, clinical material, end quote. One such clinical material he found in May 1945 was Albert Stevens, a patient in Ward B of the University of California Hospital in San Francisco. Stevens was experiencing debilitating pains caused by what was diagnosed as stomach cancer. Under the subterfuge of some novel treatment, plutonium was shipped into the hospital and injected into Albert Stevens without his consent. Several days later, Albert was operated on, and it was decided that to remove the cancerous mass, the surgeons should remove half of his liver, his entire spleen, most of his ninth rib, lymph nodes, part of his pancreas, and a portion of the layer of fat covering his organs. The surgery was successful, and Earl Miller, a doctor at the UC hospital who was covertly working with the Metallurgical Laboratory, or MetLab, part of the Manhattan Project, was allowed to remove a portion of each body part removed from Albert under the pretense of special studies. Miller would measure the different tissues and bone for radiation levels resulting from the plutonium injection he quietly administered without Albert's consent. Earl Miller and the other doctors who had operated on Stevens were shocked to discover later that Albert Stevens didn't even have cancer. The reason Stevens had been operated on and had several organs partially or completely removed turned out to be a benign ulcer that didn't require nearly so extensive a surgery, if one was required at all. According to Kenneth Scott, the scientist who delivered the plutonium to Earl Miller for Albert's injection, Albert Stevens did not know about the plutonium injected into him 
and never found out. In 1946, three ethical standards were officially established in the U.S. to protect patients from wild experimentation. One, the voluntary consent of the subject. Two, previous animal tests had to have been run. And three, the experiment must be performed under proper medical protection and management. These ethical standards didn't really stick. Less than a year after these standards were established, Elmer Allen didn't have the money to pay for treatment after breaking his leg and limped into the free clinic at UCSF. He was diagnosed with bone cancer and was given an injection of plutonium-238 without his knowledge or consent. Allen's family had been told that the injection was a form of treatment, a position that the hospital later denied. Documents confirm that the UCSF physicians, quote, had expected no therapeutic effect, end quote. Three days later, the hospital cut off Elmer's leg. At least 17 other Americans were surreptitiously injected with plutonium without their consent to study the effects on humans if they were exposed to very high levels of radiation. In 1946, in Rochester, a lineup of 11 subjects designated HP1 to HP11, HP standing for human product, were injected with between 4.6 and 6.5 micrograms of plutonium, five times higher than the amount thought to be safe at the time. The plutonium injections were prepared by Samuel Bassett, according to the secret plan to do this experiment. Then the syringes were handed to local physicians, who injected the patients with plutonium. According to another conspirator of this unethical human experiment, Louis Hempelman, he was sure that, quote, the physician making the injections did not know the contents of the syringe, end quote. Hempelman said of the subjects that a, quote, Deliberate decision was made not to inform the patient of the nature of the product that was injected. End quote. On November 2, 1945, Ida Schultz Charlton was admitted to the University of Rochester's Strong Memorial Hospital for dietary complications. On November 27, after being put on a strict diet that had eased her symptoms, Ida was injected with 4.9 micrograms of plutonium without her knowledge or consent. Ida was observed and measured by the Manhattan Project and its later iterations for the next 38 years, until she died in a nursing home. Also, in late 1945, Una Mack was admitted to Billings Hospital for diagnostic tests. Two biopsies revealed that Una had cancer. She and another man with lymphoma were given a treatment called U-medication. Una became violently ill and was unable to eat or drink after taking the U-medication, and she died several weeks later. The man died after six months. The U-medication was 94.91 micrograms of plutonium, 1,700 times the amount of radiation someone receives naturally over an entire year. In 1946, Simi Shaw, a four-year-old boy from Australia, went to a local doctor for a pain in his right leg. The doctor was shocked to discover cancer, and Simi was transferred to UCSF Hospital, 
where he was separated from his mother and made to stay in the hospital. He was injected with plutonium, cerium, and yttrium, three radioactive isotopes. To study the radioactive effects on Simi, who was four, they removed parts of his thigh bone and other pieces of muscle and tissue. The tumor Simi had in his right leg was increasing in size, however. He was discharged from the hospital after their analysis was finished, but continued to get worse and was in pain from his cancer until he died in 1947. Also in 1947, a 16-year-old boy named Hanford Jang, diagnosed with bone cancer, was injected without his knowledge with americium, and then his leg was amputated two days later. His leg was sent to UC Berkeley, where it was dissected and analyzed to measure the radiation in the bone, tumor, connective tissues, and muscle. Jang died less than a year later in 1948. These injections were not offered with an explanation or request for consent. They were deemed necessary by curious scientists, despite the known dangers of plutonium and radiation poisoning, common blunders by those conducting the experiments, and the broad manner in which study subjects were chosen. These unethical, non-therapeutic plutonium injections were administered to people without their knowledge or consent, by doctors, scientists, and the military, with the non-specific goal of gaining some undefined knowledge at the expense of those they did not respect. The blind pursuit of knowledge is not a good enough reason to ignore civil liberties. 